Welcome back to the channel. It is Wednesday, May 19th, 2021. And no, I am not in Nashville, Tennessee anymore. I am looking at the water on a sunset in Florida at my family's vacation home uh, on the way to driving to move to Miami, Florida. Uh, I announced, I think last week, that I was moving the business, moving myself, making the big leap into uh, moving to Miami. I think there's a lot more uh, interesting finance and tech guests over there. Not to say that I don't absolutely love Nashville. But yes, yeah, so we're gonna try something out. I, I am hardlined into a slow Wi-Fi router. And so it's gonna be messy, it's super windy, and it's gonna get dark very, very soon. So we're just gonna see um, if it works. So let me know if something's wrong, and if it's wrong, and it gets too dark, and the mosquitoes, uh, mosquitoes bite me all the time. If they attack me too much, I might have to end this early. But there's so much to talk about. And I know it's windy, I'm gonna put this up to my face. Um, so much to talk about. Uh, the markets, the crypto markets absolutely tanking, makes this bull run for Bitcoin so different from the last one, because the last one really did not see drawdowns this aggressive, this aggressive. Um, so, but I, I mean, let's just kind of like back up. There's just so much that's happened this week. Um, okay, so US equities were weaker today. They've been weaker for a while now. Um, the S&P closed about 0.3% after pairing uh, sharper losses earlier in the session. So they kind of recovered a bit. Let me see if I can pull up a, um, a FinViz. Go, go to FinViz if you want a, a good heat map. Yeah, so it, it isn't a bloody, bloody day on the S&P, but we definitely opened up up much much harder uh, you know you know during the day uh, okay finviz has an ad here we're gonna okay so if you see here we opened up real a lot a lot um, kind of more sharply below yesterday but uh, we kind of recovered especially on the Nasdaq the Nasdaq uh, recovered about to uh, even um, so you know I think the big theme of the day for stock investors uh, is uh, you know the, U the U.S. yields turned higher because the Fed uh, hinted at taper talk for the first time. Everybody's been ex expecting taper talk, which means change. Wow, it's windy. Changing policy to you know raising interest rates, uh, and so the April Fed minutes show that they are open to the idea. Um, despite reiterating some time until substantial further progress is had. Uh, they noted that if the economy continues to make rapid progress, it might be appropriate at some point in upcoming meetings to begin discussing a plan for adjusting the pace of asset purchases. So hand-wringing, inflation, it's supposed to be transitory with supply chain bottlenecks and input shortages. Um, but if that's not resolved quickly, uh, that could put upward pressure on prices and thus inflation and thus rates, which the nominal narrative is that hurts stocks and hurts real estate and hurts um, hurts financial assets or and very at the most hurts um, hurts growth stocks. Uh, you know the big big story that we should really dig into because we've been quite a bit bullish on Bitcoin since we started this journey together, right? I know my uh, my journey in crypto started in 2000, technically 2013. And then, uh, you know, really, really dug deep in 2017. You know, that's a very common story. Uh, but we I've only been creating content since really last summer, or may, last May-ish. And so together we haven't gone through a bear cycle. Is this a bear cycle? So for those of you that want to know my opinion, 
is this Elon Musk's fault? Well, you know, okay. It, can you guys hear me through the wind? It's really windy. <laughs> um, I thought it'd be fun. Okay, so Elon Musk, right? He did the tweets. For those of you that that read our morning newsletter, go uh, go um, go read that. But he did tweet today that Tesla has diamond hands, which implies that Tesla is not selling their Bitcoin. But that being said, you have to realize that that Bitcoin and crypto is still a very retail-driven market. Inflows into exchanges has been the highest since March, April 2020, as of this week. That means, so for those of you that don't know, inflows into exchanges is a sign that retail investors are trying to sell and run for the exits, right? So the reason for that is because um, they're trying to, they're transferring their, their crypto onto the exchange in order to sell. Uh, net crypto outflows from exchanges is a good sign because people are buying and then putting it over to cold wallets or going to Binance to go convert it to other things. Um, so, you know, I personally think this is a retail uh, oriented sell-off. I mean, we have, a, I mean, it's, it's not, it's still a nascent market. Elon kicked obviously kicked the can to start off and kind of stomped on the fingers of the bull market that was taking a pause already. But now this is, you know, this is, hold on, let me just pull this up. Okay. Well, this is slow as usual. Nothing, nothing new here. Um, nothing new here though. Uh, hold on. Unmute. Okay. So the error has occurred. Cryptos. I mean, it's helpful to see the chart. So this makes it to me, unlike the, the bear cycles of last, but does that mean that I'm selling? The answer is no, right? When in doubt, we always have to listen to the goat, right? Warren Buffett. When buy when others are fearful and, you know, be fearful when others are greedy. Be greedy when others are fearful. Be fearful when others are greedy. Now, I thought this was a really healthy kind of consolidation and the the Tesla Elon Musk spat really really upset me and um, and I don't know I just I think that's really tough um, so am I buying in the mid 30s yeah I, I, I am I on the big board I am considering I was on the fence on buying more but we are already pretty darn allocated to Bitcoin. And we got in at much lower prices earlier last year. But to me, if you're not fully allocated into Bitcoin and crypto, now's your chance, right? And most people, they, they act like a deer in the headlights. Um, they act like a deer in the headlights, right? But the, the asset goes up and they say, uh, oh, like I missed it, I missed out. I just can I have some more of those, um, some more of those like a sub thirty thousand, sub forty thousand Bitcoin, because what is why did you and I buy it? Why did I make that um, Bitcoin video at eighteen thousand? What did I say back then? I didn't say I really like the price action. I did not say I really like the head and shoulders chart. What did I say? I said it's a really amazing asymmetrical risk reward bet with some fundamental um, fundamental kind of thesis for buying something that could become the virtual world's gold.
right? And if, if, if you believe the virtual world should have a reserve currency that is kind of untethered from central banks, which I do believe that that will happen at some point. Is it Bitcoin? Probably, but it may be not, right? But if you believe that, then, and, it, and you believe the virtual world is worth equal or more than the physical world, then, as I believe, like, right, like e commerce is gonna be, to me, more valuable than physical commerce was before the internet even, even started, right? Um, and Hef Ziba doesn't think that it'll be, uh, Bitcoin will be the virtual gold. Well, I disagree. And, but that's why we're all different investors, right? I mean, there's a reason why I bought my first Bitcoin at 300. There's a first reason why I bought a bunch of Bitcoin at 17,000. Um, so we'll see who wins, right? And I said, what did I say about Bitcoin? I know we track it every day, but I said, stick it in the backyard, bury it, bury it. And when you say 10 year view, it's funny, right? We all sit, I think this community and me, me included, care too much about our investments that we actually tend to be, to shoot ourselves in the foot, if that makes sense. Uh, because we look at it too much, right? If you feel like it's a really good asymmetrical risk reward, if you think it's even a 50-50 chance that it becomes the same market cap as gold, then that, that equates to over half a million dollar Bitcoin, but it's gonna take high, you don't get really, really outsized returns without a lot of volatility on the way, right? Because you don't get outsized returns if it's obvious. There is no such thing, I, I keep saying this, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Nothing's free, right? There's really no such thing as a free lunch. So when, you, when people are like, oh, you got lucky or whatever, yeah, a lot of people get lucky investing. Um, but if you, oh, wait, sorry, you can look at me right now. Um, a lot of people get lucky when they're investing, but the higher the risk, the higher reward. So when I bought one Bitcoin, I didn't go all in because it looked like a really stupid investment. This like magic internet money, like it's kind of funny, right? And then it looked better and it looked better as institutions started coming in, as infrastructure started coming in. Look, at the end of the day, why are you an investor? Because you like the fundamental asset. If you bought the farm, why are you selling it today when drunk Mr. Market comes next from next door and says, I'll buy it from you for like a half the price that I offered you yesterday. If you didn't sell it to him for double the price yesterday, then why are you selling it in a panic today? When you don't, no one is forcing you to sell. So look, if for some reason the fundamentals on Bitcoin changed from yesterday to today or last week to today, and you believe that and you truly believe that, then fine, sell out, sell out. I told everyone here, right, like, you know, the fickle nature of the internet, the fickle nature of content creation, the, which is really scary for me going full-time on this, the fickle na nature of investing will cut against me and people will leave out of frustration or whatever. Because not, honestly, like eight, I don't know, maybe four out of five people don't have the stomach for this. They just don't, right? I mean, I, that includes my, um, I had a, that includes my, best, most respected from me, and even better analysts than I am on the street. And they laughed at me when I bought Bitcoin, and they laughed when, hey, trust me, it's, it's like that, it's, seriously, it's like that, uh, that meme at the gallows, right? It's like, is this your first time? They never bought it, and now like they're kicking themselves, and they're finally, the third, third bull market's the charm, they're finally coming to me, hey, like how do I buy, block, uh, buy Bitcoin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
And these are people that are as high educated as I am, have more years of direct investing experience, et cetera. This is, this is equally a psycho psychological game as it is an uh, analysis game. Because for example, right? I do a bunch of free content here. A bunch of other people do free content here. You don't need to know the deep dive analysis for stocks or whatever, but you know, you just need to trust someone who is, who is authentic and smart and speaks to a thesis that you believe in as well, which is, I've been, you know, Bitcoin's done well for us. It's still net up from when we started buying. It will, right? Um, but the other half of the game is psychological, right? And, you know, we have a couple of Chinese super high risk reward, high volatility, uh, asymmetrical bet types of plays on the ROIC big board. Um, and just to share the screen on what that is, if you're new here, I'm, I'm operating with uh, kind of one arm behind my back. Okay, I don't have it. Go to a couplecents.com. Uh, the ROIC big board is the paper portfolio that will event, like this hopefully this year turn into a real money portfolio that I'll show you my own money um, on the ROIC big board at a couplecents.com for ROIC members. And, you know, hold on. Yeah, I mean, we've generated alpha mostly through this really tough period of time. And, you know, we are down 2% today. And the diversification on the Roke Big Board has really helped us. And I truly hope, and again, I don't know the future, but I truly hope that the moves that we, we make here um, are are the ones that that invest as if we're managing money over a 10 to 20 year time frame. And folks like... If you come in and, and follow, subscribe and don't and unsubscribe within the matter of six months, that means you were never serious about being a long-term investor, right? And so when we look back together as a community, 10 years later, 15 years later, trust me, like, we'll be fine. We'll be fine, right? And even so, right, you don't cry over the, the fat pitch, right? Even if the fat, if you miss the fat pitch, because a lot of this is a, a waiting and a waiting, not waiting, like like you wait different positions. It's that kind of game and it's and it's the stomach game. Do you have the stomach for this? Um, so look, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not saying that it's not easier to say that Bitcoin is not going, uh, I mean, is Bitcoin going to zero? I don't like, I, I find that very hard, right? I find that very, if, if like trading cards can hold some nominal value, like Bitcoin's not going to zero. So what is it? It's a at at thirty five thousand dollars or maybe forty thousand now that it's recovered a bit. Um, at forty forty thousand dollars, is you know you have about you have over ten percent upside. You maybe like twelve twelve times. Sorry, over a ten times upside. You have like a twelve times upside, right? And a hundred and a one times downside. And you you assign whatever probability weightings you have towards that this asset. You assign it. Assign it. Do it yourself. I can't tell you. I don't know. I'm not some genie in the bottle, right? I just assign my weighting. Even if it's 50-50, right? That's a net 5x upside. So I'd take that bet every day in the week and I wouldn't look back, even if it turns out wrong, right? So that's that's what where we are on the big board. We have a few other positions on the big board that give everyone a bunch of heartache all the time in our Discord. Lots of like, oh, it's down a lot, it's down a lot. Like there are, there's a subsection of the Roke big board that I, seriously, I say like the speculative ones, the crypto ones and the high vol ones 
if you like it, stick it in the backyard and have some stomach for it, right? Some of the ones that have outperformed, we own a pharmacy stock that's outperformed, um, you know, that's been doing really well. Uh, let's, let's, let's take a look. So the reason why we are still outperforming, and, and it's not a pat on the back, it's more of like a kind of thing. Interestingly enough, most of our big ROIC positions, they are growth stocks. They ended up either flat or up today. And the reason is, I think these are getting so cheap that we're a, a, approaching where valuation acts kind of like a, a um, kind of a mattress, right? Once you get low enough, you can't keep falling. Otherwise, there's a private equity sponsor that's willing to buy the whole company and take it private, right? Valuation does matter, right? And, and if, if anybody, people beginning of this was like, oh, like valuation doesn't matter, bro. It's like ARK Invest growth, 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 right? Growth is the future. And yeah, and so like valuation matters, guys. And girls like come on and also what matters are my likes and i know i haven't put out a ton of uh video content publicly but been been really focusing on roic i'm i literally drove like 12 hours yesterday um so thanks for being here definitely smash that like button definitely subscribe if you love investing content from a former hedge fund analyst and tech cfo uh happy to announce that uh the big deal for metalogics which is the healthcare company healthcare technology company that i've been the cfo for for the past four and a half years has now officially closed and kind of demarks a nice exit for me and um pushes me out into the uh very very scary storm that is creating content and building sense full-time and bringing as much value to Roic and bringing as much value to this, this channel as possible. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you if you're a Roic member so much. I appreciate you if you are just a, just a subscriber, right? I mean, everybody, some people are more interested and some people don't, um, don't like looking at, their, at, at the stocks every single day. They just wanna pop in wherever they want. So I appreciate you all, thank you so much. Um, let's, let's dive into what else do we wanna talk about? Um, yeah, so I showed you Elon's tweets. Uh, let's talk about BlockFi, because they are a relatively new sponsor to the channel, and I really liked their mix of institutional backing by really well-known uh, funds and their risk management as it pertains to, like, their chief risk officer and all these folks come from, like, big, they were, they were big wigs at, like, J.P. Morgan and Bank of America and stuff, and, you know, a lot of the, the crypto purists don't like, never liked BlockFi because because they didn't give them the, the highest, uh, highest yields on their crypto. But to me, it was a good mix of safety and, or well, like institutional quality safety and, uh, and uh, good yield on our uh, USD cash stable coin and our like Bitcoin, right? But, you know, and again, I'm, oh, this is, I need to pull up the article so you could just like see what I'm talking about. Uh, BlockFi, let's see if I can pull. Okay, so hold on. Oh, now Coindesk has a video, BlockFi in the news. BlockFi was basically in the news today uh, because they mistakenly deposited uh, Bitcoin into user accounts. Um, and their exposure as of now is supposed to be about $10 million, though some of this is being returned by people Bitcoin that got um, 
mistakenly uh, kind of uh, given to. And to me, the way I think about this is actually this wasn't the risk department. Um, this was actually like a tech issue because what actually happened and I'll show you the like I reached out directly um, to here. Hold on. Uh, there it is. I reached out directly to my contact and our contacts at BlockFi. And this is uh, this is what we got this morning. Uh, we had a small operational error where we sent Bitcoin bonus payouts to clients instead of stable coins, less than 100 clients impacted. The media is obviously all over it, but at the end of the day, we will have a small economic impact, lots of FUD. So this is FUD for the day that really fueled FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt onto the market today. Um, the amount is, but it's not a, like 10 million on a day like this on a high volume day shouldn't move the markets. Right. And those people aren't selling maybe, or maybe they are. Um, the amount is still being recovered back from our clients and is well within uh, operational loss reserves. So they're fine on a risk and solvency basis. And we're addressing the cause and doing a deep analysis. So it doesn't happen again. Bus business as usual from our side, no hacks, no data breach withdrawals and trading on the platform as per normal. Does this make me nervous? Yeah, because this was a tech team. And I know we have a lot of software engineers here, right? This is the marketing department making a March bonus payment kind of program and the tech team implementing it wrong. My biggest question that I'm going to dig with them. And so they're, well, I'm not going to mention, like I'm going to pause, write everything on them. My biggest question with BlockFi is and what I'm going to ask them is how did the code overlap with the, your Bitcoin wallet, right? So wherever BlockFi is storing their Bitcoin, how did that get taken away through the code and sent mistakenly? How is it caught? So the question is really, right? Like the whole thing is they tell us that, that most of the, um, the Bitcoin and the crypto is actually custodied by um, by uh, custodied by Gemini. So, but they do have some portion that is hot walleted for buying and selling and stuff like that, right? And they lend some amount, some out. So, I really want to know where the code was pulling from. That that was my that was my big thing. So, am I nervous? Yes. I don't have a conclusion yet. My money's still there. I still have tens of thousands of dollars there. Am I imminently worried about my funds at BlockFi? No. Am I worried that there is code quality, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm worried about, like, how they're rolling out their code. That's just, that's just, I, I'm worried about that. So, uh, stay tuned. Please stay tuned. That's... I think it's tough. I think it's tough. Um, you know, and I, I, I always, you guys know this. I, I never, I never am a, I'm not really a YouTuber per se, right? Like I will always be upfront and transparent and everything that I say and do on this channel is what I know in the moment. And I always, I am always aligned with the community. So, um, would I be doubling down on BlockFi? No, there's no upside to be doubling down on BlockFi. Uh, would I be panic selling my Bitcoin or transferring out? Yeah, I mean, on the margin, some people might transfer out to cold storage or transfer out to Coinbase. But guess what? Coinbase was down today. 
a lot of folks wanted to um wanted to let's see if i can a lot of folks wanted to sell today because of the panic and we had block uh, we had uh BlockFi down for a bit. We had Coinbase down for a bit. And this happens on a lot of high volume days. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my trust is a bit shaken. So I'm going to have to figure out. I'm going to be seeing them in person uh, at the Bitcoin conference. And it's going to be in about two or three weeks. So I will be shooting a lot of film. We're going to sit down with them and be like, how do you earn our trust back? How do you earn our trust back? Because I don't. Like sponsorship, this we don't need sponsorships, right? And I've been super picky. Like we're sponsored by Fundrise, which is my favorite way of investing in real estate in a kind of commercial real estate in a um, in a diversified way with a, with a dedicated team without actually have to, having to manage it yourself. That's still there, but Roic keeps us fed, and I appreciate like keeps keeps all this content going. So Roic members, we don't need if we lost trust in a sponsor. There's no, I'm, I'm going to, we don't need, we don't need them. Right. So just, just know that I'm going to be waiting. So I'm going to be pausing everything. I mean, quite honestly, I never even invoiced them. So like it, it's fine. Right. Like I'm going to be going to the Bitcoin conference and sitting down with them and being like, how do you earn our trust back? How do you earn our trust back? It's really tough though in the crypto space because even Coinbase, which is the biggest one, it's a $70 billion publicly traded company now. They went down today. How do we trust these these exchanges? And so to a certain extent, the crypto community saying not my not your not your not your keys, not your Bitcoin isn't they're not wrong. They're not wrong. Right. For those of you joining the channel, welcome. This was a sunset behind us and it's now gotten dark and I think I'm going to be eaten up by mosquitoes very, very soon here. So if you wanted to, if you want to know what's happening with the Fed and interest rates or um, growth stocks or, uh, you know, Bitcoin today and what I think about buying or selling or et cetera. Um, spoiler alert. I think now's a great time to start dollar cost averaging in the upside. The downside is a 12, 10 to 12 X upside, one uh, X downside for Bitcoin. Uh, definitely rewind the video. And we just talked about BlockFi and how as a community, our, our, our trust in their, in their process somewhere, is shaken, is shaken. And we are more discerning, right? A lot of people's trust in Robinhood was shaken through the GameStop issue and people still kept their money there, right? So I wanna see it in the chat. Like, are you done? Are you fully done with Bitcoin? Or are you gonna give them a chance to win us back? Um, you know, I feel bad, right? This is a tech team issue and some people have definitely lost their jobs. Um, so, <clears throat> Uh, shaking, not stirred. Okay, that's interesting. Put it in the chat. I'm reading them. I'm reading them. Uh, let's 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 talk about some stocks. This is uh, first for me. Is I'm outdoors. I have a hard line coming out of out of out of a sliding door, and it's really it's like pitch black, and the mosquitoes are going to come out. Okay. Um, interestingly enough, Roic members, our positions were up today. Our stock positions were up today. Obviously, GBTC, our our Bitcoin and Ethereum positions were down, and that dragged the portfolio down. But we are still outperforming. Um, let's hope that let's hope that stays. And am I am I doubling down? No, because I think we're already well exposed to Bitcoin, 
and uh, on the big board because I don't have like the big board doesn't have an income to go dollar cost average into like you and me or not me I'm I'm soon enough you guys are gonna be my bosses right I don't have a I don't have a w2 anymore uh, but for for those of you, us that have w2s you have the ability to just kind of dollar cost average into these things as they go down uh, but for us we have to pull that money from stocks and we love the stocks that we're having so I, I was kind of torn today and again when in doubt just walk away don't touch it don't touch it right when in doubt your your emotions and trading is a taxable event right short-term cap gains long-term cap gains all that stuff so when in doubt when you don't know what to do yet when in doubt just walk away take a deep breath what did i say like two weeks ago or three weeks ago when these these drawdowns started happening you gotta ask yourself a few questions first right are you healthy? Are your family is your family healthy? Are your friends fine with you? Have you lost your job? How's your career going? Those are all questions that are more important than did your portfolio fall two to four percent today? Does that make sense? So, um, so when in doubt, step away. That's what we did today. I was like, should I buy more Bitcoin? But then I thought, you have, you have Peloton so freaking cheap in three countries with amazing product market fit. That is a better bet in this environment without having to go through the heartache of did Elon Musk just take the wins out of the sales of this bull market? Um, I mean, I think there are, there's a few stocks on the big board that I think I'm leaning towards buying more of during a sell-off over Bitcoin because we are already like 27, or I guess now it's down to 15 to 17%. But we're like, we're really highly allocated to Bitcoin, right? We're not a crypto channel. We are an investing channel that leans towards companies and real, like I like real estate, but you can't track it. And I can't tell you to buy a home or whatever. We can't do that. So it's like stocks and crypto and we're already highly allocated. So if it rebounds, it's gonna do really well. So again, um, but for those of you, for most of you that are under allocated, I, I mean, I already said it. I think now's a great time to buy the dip. And when I say buy the dip, I mean dollar cost average, right? If it keeps falling, dollar cost average, dollar cost average. Don't blow. I don't know the, the correct way. I, I try to make this as much of a family show as I can. Don't blow it all going all in, right? Because I remember... I aggressively was buying the dip and everything from 18,000. And some of y'all don't give me, like, I said it and it went in one year and out the other. I said, when I bought it 17,000, how do you think I felt when Bitcoin was 3,500? How do you think I felt? Like, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars of my money that went away, poof, right? And people are like, oh, you remember when Bitcoin was a thing? Like, your magic internet money? Look, this is nothing. This is nothing. This isn't even 50%. This, I, I'm like, come on, we've gone through like 90% drawdowns. I just interviewed the C Julian Klamachko, who's the CEO uh, and chief investment officer of um, Accelerate ETFs. And so I'll hopefully be releasing that video maybe this week or this weekend. Uh, he, he focuses on SPACs, but he was with me. He was like, now's a good time to start buying it. Now's a good time to start buying it. Um, yeah, so uh, cool. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. One of the questions we got from, um, it's really dark. This started out as a really good idea with the sunset. 
and it's super dark now. So we're looking at stocks outside in the dark. I hope an alligator doesn't eat, come and eat me. Um, um, yeah, can you guys tell me if like, someone said Slenderman, if something like walks up behind me, a little scary. Um, it, it looks darker than it actually is. There's like a tiki bar across the water over there. Um, uh, okay, so let's look at some stocks. We're looking at stocks in the dark. Stocks in the dark. Sounds like a, like a Halloween special. Um, don't forget to like the video and subscribe to the channel if you like investing content. Um, the number one upvoted for the week, ROIC question is, can you look at TrueLeave, Canada Stock Exchange, ticker T-R-U-L. TrueLeave is trading at 14 times EBITDA based on 2021 Q1 annualized numbers, which is below the 20 to 35% 20 to 35 time EBITDA in the industry. If TrueLeave were to trade at 20 times EBITDA, that would imply a 50% upside. This Florida-based vertically integrated cannabis company has been expanding its footprint throughout the U.S. by acquisition of other cannabis companies. This would be a good play as a value stock. Yes, I love it. This is going, looks great. It's something that I, I, I previewed a bit. I TrueLeave was my favorite cannabis stock last fall. And just like One Water Marine, I was so busy with the content creation and my CFO job, I couldn't like, I just, I loved them from the first screen, but like, you know, I, you know really pulling the trigger on the big board. I just missed it, I missed it. So now we get a good, another shot at this, right? 14 times EBITDA. And um, so that's something to, to think about. I think it looks great. We're gonna look into TrueLeave. I think uh, their growth rate's really good. They're already making money in Florida, they're already like there. And of, of the of the cannabis stocks, I've only really liked TrueLeave and Green Thumb because they traded at not asinine valuations. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Tub is saying backdrop darker than my portfolio. That's hilarious. Oh man, this is a good idea when it's still light out and now it's dark. Um, okay. Uh, this next one's about a, a ROIC only position. We have a ROIC only live stream tomorrow. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Thoughts on shift ticker S H F T company seems to be growing quickly in the red hot used car market. Uh, let's, let's look at this together. Shift S H S H F T stock. So here looks like it's been kind of underperforming, but it isn't like necessarily growth stock. Uh, let's look at what they do. I have bugs on my screen. Uh, SHFT. Okay, so that's not it. SHHFT. Is that Shift Technologies? Shift Technologies. There it is. S. Is this it? SFT? All right, I guess this is it. Automotive retail, um, Shift Technologies, former formerly Insurance Acquisition Corp, provider to, uh, of end-to-end -end auto e-commerce platform, provides digital solutions through the car ownership lifecycle. The company assists customers from finding the right car, um, having a test drive brought to the user before buying the car, a digitally dri driven purchase transaction, including financing and vehicle protection products, digital trade and sale transaction, and also focuses on providing support services during car ownership. So, um, yes. So Sarab is 
absolutely right about BlockFi. Bugs in BlockFi's code, they have no testing. Um, I don't understand. Do, don't don't they have like a demo to pro, like environment that they use before they roll out to prod? I just I don't get it. Um, they're trading at 14 times gross profit and not growing very fast here. Um, they're not. They haven't grown very fast, but there is an expectation due to the maybe used car shortage that we're about to come up on. Right there's a new car shortage because of prices going up and supply chains getting shocked. So used car demand is going to just skyrocket, continue skyrocketing. That's a that's a big theme I believe in. But it's so nascent, right? It's so tiny. They make forty five million in gross profit, and they're trading hundred million. Look, and and so I guess you know the part of this question was. Uh, was the model seems to be more effective than that of its peers, Carvana and Room, young company with long uh, runway, I believe. So if we look at like uh, Shift Technologies and we go to Carvana, Carvana, uh, Carvana down a bit, but holding up because the whole used car. Thing I just explained. Carvana is a $41 billion company trading at 28 times forward gross profit, 20 times 2022 gross profit. Super expensive. Look, I like Carvana. I don't, I really don't like this. Super high valuation for what is still to me an unproven concept. Um, so yeah, I don't find, I think this is a meh for me shift technologies i think it's a meh for me but if you really believe in it and think they're going to grow for some particular reason i would say it's it's okay i mean it's 13 times forward gross profit on something that if you think that they're going to grow but this is i would say much more of like a venture capital style early stage thing where you're like it's either going to work and 10x my money or it's not going to work that's that's how you should think about that um, I think it's so yeah. It's someone saying, King, uh, King Kang, you're saying Car Carvana is so gimmicky. Like, yeah, I just I don't believe in these uh, in Carvana, uh, or I, at least I don't believe in it enough to invest. So I'm gonna mark this one done. Let's do some voice a voicemail question. Let's see if, um, let's play this. Can you let's see? Let me know if you can hear this, and you're gonna watch for ghosts behind me. Hey Justin, Nezzy here. Hope you've been having a great week. Uh, thanks for doing everything you do, as always. Um, my question is more tailored towards like breaking into investment banking. As a student right now at UCSB, um, I feel like being a member of a couple cents, uh, you know, going through your technical workshop, um, you know, building how to build a DCF and all that, and just reading your newsletter all the time. I feel like that is something that shows a lot of initiative to recruiters. And as someone who you know works in investment banking yourself. And I'm sure you were involved in recruiting at one point. Uh, how would you recommend we go about leveraging, you know, being a member of a couple cents in interviews and recruiting and really using that as a differentiating, uh, you know, unique selling point, quote unquote? Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, I actually uh, did a, a kind of as part of that, I had a few folks on Zooms early in the pandemic. And a few of them actually said it really helped on their resume, helped get them a, an internship. So I would say coming from UCSB, great school. I'm from SoCal. Um, I would say it depends on what your expectations on getting into investment banking is. If you want to get into New York City investment banking, 
unless something's changed. I don't think it's a target school for like East Coast, given it's a West Coast thing. Uh, and there just isn't as much finance and investment banking on the West Coast. Um, but I mean, San Francisco has really grown as a finance hub. So what I would say is um, target some of the more regional ones, definitely cold LinkedIn, cold email, uh, some of your, uh, and this goes for any regional kind of school, uh, some of your uh, alumni that have made it into the industry. And I think putting it on your resume, uh, just put like sense, uh, like DCF training and you know I think the whole newsletter thing is much more like like some of the questions like oh they, they try to feel you out because right now right even if you come out of school it's like these kids don't like kids out of school don't know unt much until you're actually on the job for a couple of years um, but they want to see initiative which you have right so that's going to help on the margin but at the end of the day like I think you need to um, do as much as you can even outside of of staying engaged with the community you have to like Go do your investment club. Go, like what I did, I don't know what your year is. Uh, well, like how, how what you like if you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior. Um, like I went and, and, and interned at this like no name, like no one had ever heard of it, two-person investment banking service in Orange County, California. When I was between, when in my freshman year, right? And they don't really care, right? They just care that you, they care that you know you want the job and you know you want to break in. And, and then in the interview, you'd be like, they might ask you something about, um, about like, like oh, like tell what 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 are you concerned about in the markets? And you can you know if you read Morning Sense, you'll know, right? And so you'll be much more prepared to talk about just general finance with these folks. I think it gives you great like our service gives you great knowledge. Um, are we a analyst program yet? Uh, maybe not. We're more of an investment club. So I would put that at, on your resume in that kind of framework like think of it as almost another type of investment club because that's what we are i mean right i mean not we don't pool our money in that sense but um we're kind of an invest investor club so thanks for that uh, let's go to the next one what's up eba daddy justin been a rogue member since december love what i'm getting interested in your thoughts on splunk s-p-l-k thanks s-p-l-k splunk so splunk is a really great product um Let's, let's kind of go over it together, Splunk. Uh, this, I, we've really liked Splunk as a business. Data, the data to everything platform, powering security, IT, DevOps. They're really well known in, in like kind of really big businesses. They have a lot of high profile clients, trusted by 91 of the Fortune 100, right? This is a B2B company uh, engages in development and marketing and software solutions. Um, I really, it's a high quality business, very recurring, um, but they've been doing really poorly. They've been doing really poorly um, as a stock, right? I mean, they've lost almost half their value since the kind of peak of growth. And I think it's because um, what I would say is uh, their valuation wasn't cheap, but it was definitely cheaper than the rest. We avoided this one because... Um, oh, yeah. So they are and the kiss of death for these tech companies is if you can't grow. Right. Because the only way you hold some the only reason why you have some like 20 or 30 or 19 billion dollar enterprise valuation is because on no profits is because you say, oh, no, we're a growth company. We'll have profits in the future. 
But then when you have zero profits and you stop growing during the pandemic, you just lose your freaking shirt. Now, on the chart, it looks kind of like weakness that we can buy. They're trading at 9.6 times enterprise value to gross profit. Um, and their expected growth rate is what, like some meager 14% growth rate. Look, I think you go somewhere else. I think you go like, how, what is Asana trading at? So we made a bunch of money on Asana earlier last, last year. So this is double the valuation, but they are growing at like 40 to 50%. This is more attractive to me, although Asana is still relatively um, more expensive. Um, you know, I'm just trying to think like, you remember when we looked at pager duty? Um, uh, pager duty is trading at 11 and a half times forward gross profit. They are B2B, although they're a lower price ticket, so it's less sticky, but they are growing 20, over 20, 25% a year. So in my mind, can you buy Splunk for 9.5 or or PagerDuty for 11.5 and, and you get, you know, double the growth for almost the same price uh, with a lot of momentum or with fine momentum? I think I would rather go PagerDuty. Um, so that's that. And uh, yeah, and, and oh yeah, so thanks for pointing that up, uh, Srab. Uh, I think you're right. Srab's awesome, knows a lot about the space. Um, had a great chance to talk to him at one point. Um, ServiceNow is something that we've been a huge fan of. We be I believe it is a compounder company. Uh, B2B software, uh, but much better. Look at this, like mid-20s growth rate expected. They've delivered like five years running of over 30% growth. And so they trade at 19 times forward gross profit. So, you know, I think you get more quality and stability in ServiceNow uh, for the same growth rate as PagerDuty. Uh, but you also have to pay up um, like 40% higher price for ServiceNow. Um, you know, and so, you know, I think, you know, my risk reward profile is probably more on the PagerDuty side than ServiceNow. Um, and for, but I would, I think ServiceNow probably is a better thing than Splunk. But make no mistake about it, if you have some view on whether Splunk turns things around, starts really out-competing, uh, I also think that Splunk um, like could go regain that B2B growth multiple someday. Uh, I haven't read the transcripts. I don't know what's going on. Why did you lose your mojo? Are you getting out-competed? Uh, so that's that. So I would say to me, let's slap a kind of a, a meh on it doesn't scream attractive to me unless they operationally fix their growth. Let's go to the next one. Hey Justin, Rogue member here. Just want to get your thoughts on Lithia Motors. I think it's a good deal at this point. Lithia Motors. Lithia Motors stock. Okay, so it's down like 7.5% today. Uh, it's an American nationwide automotive retailer headquartered in Oregon. It's the third largest automotive retailer in the United States. Um, so let me just get one thing straight. I was talking to hedge fund Henry the other day, actually this past weekend before I left and drove to Florida, never to be seen again. Um, I was on the phone with him. Uh, we were talking about how bad automotive retailing businesses, super low ROIs, super low ROEs, not a great business, but we do think that used motors, used cars are going to be 
like this is kind of a super cycle. What we saw out of 08, if you do, if, for those of you that don't know, or don't know or remember, is all the autos got bailed out by uh, you know Obama. The Obama administration had to bail out for like Ford and GM. They basically stopped making cars because there's a huge financial crisis, and that maybe because car production took such a big hit for like four years straight, used cars really became a huge thing. Um, kind of during a time period afterwards because there's just a lower supply. So as the economy roars back, um, there's a huge lag in terms of uh, supplying the market with new cars. So used cars go up. I think we're in that right now again. COVID killed for not a great financial crisis, a pandemic crisis, killed the the desire and demand for um, for use, for car for cars for a while and everybody shut off their supply chains. And so we're going to find this, you know, super cycle in for for used cars. But dealers are not great businesses. So let's just look at where they're trading. Lithia Motors. Ticker LAD. Lad. Is ticker LAD a lad for our portfolio? Expected to grow 49% in 2021. See, everybody expects huge growth from these guys. Trading at 11.8 times EBITDA. I don't know what their free cash flow yield is. I'll have to go calculate that uh, myself. Price to earnings. Uh, lower EV to EBITDA minus CapEx. Oh, man. See, see how crappy of a business this is? They make, at best, 6% mar profit margins, right? Um. Is it interesting? I'm gonna say meh. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna slap a meh rating on this one. It could be interesting. I could be missing something from this quick screen. But yeah, I think it's a it's a meh because I think you can find a better business trading at 11 times EBITDA, right? I mean, we even have a higher margin infrastructure business on the Roic Big Board at a couple cents.com that we bought. That was a post SPAC deal. That trades at like under like five under five times EBITDA, don't we? You guys know what that is if you're a Roic member, right? So, you get you you can find better deals, right? So if you want a crappy business with artificial growth, um, we we're really into like building products. So instead of that, let's go look for some like cyclical building products one because we all the other super cycle we really like is um, is the kind of home building and the home shortage kind of industry kind of thing. And we don't want to be on the home builder side, really. Like there are a couple that are good, but we want to be on the like products, the value add product supplier side. So in a similar sense on the auto industry, I wouldn't want to be a manufacturer, obviously, because you have the whole EV versus not EV thing going on there. Like is Ford going to really be able to pivot to EVs? Um, and then on the retailer side, I really don't like retailers. Like, so like I'm staying away from Carvana, the valuations, whatever, LAD, LAD ticker LAD, um, Lithia Motors. It's kind of like a crappy low margin business. If something goes not their way, then the 5% margins get eaten up like that. I'd rather, I'd rather buy into like a tier two supplier, like some, someone that creates like some nut widget for the, for the, for the carburetor for Ford Motors, right? I'd rather do that, but even then, right? It's like EVs might come and kill your lunch, right? So I like the home building side a little bit better. Um, 
Uh, oh yeah, so King Kang, thanks for bringing that up. We do like the theme of AutoZone uh, and some of these other kind of like auto uh, repair shops. Although I believe, Ken, remind me in the chat, um, remind me in the chat, I believe we looked at them and the upside wasn't like particularly super attractive. Uh, it was, it's pretty good, but, but I would say if you want exposure to that super cycle, the used car boom, I would go more auto zone, uh, auto nation. Uh, and there's another one, uh, ASIO stock and others. Um, uh, yeah. For those of you coming in, uh, well, yeah, car, sorry. Yeah. You know, I'm not a car guy. Tanika is making fun of me. Uh, she said they don't make carburetors anymore. I don't, I don't, I'm not a car guy. I, I, like, honestly, my last, like, I don't know what's under the hood of my Honda. And I, I had a Tesla before that. And my next car will be a Tesla. And it's basically just driving a golf cart. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, maybe we can get an auto, uh, auto analyst at Sense at some point. Um, okay, so for those of you asking about uh, Kuhn is asking about real estate and crypto, crypto crashing hard. Thanks for coming. A lot of people fil filtering and don't forget to like the video. Um, I am more shaken if this is the end of the bull cycle. I'm going to leave you with that. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to be like pretend to be some like YouTube guru or whatever. Right. I'm some jabroni sitting in the dark right now. Uh, but I do think that I am 60% certain that the, that the bull run is not over. But I'm 40% nervous that it is over because in the two big cycles I've been a part of, an overnight, a practically overnight sell down of Bitcoin has not happened. Here, let's go back to the chart. Um, an overnight, practically an overnight sell down of Bitcoin has not happened like this, this aggressively. Um, I mean, so we went from like 60,000 ish or mid fifties to 37 today, or we really crashed down to like 32, right? So that was like 40%. I mean, if it keeps falling from here, I think it might be over. But all that to say, let me tell you something. Let me tell you a little story about Justin. Justin, this this dude, sitting in the dark, uh, bought a good amount of Bitcoin at seven, at sixteen thousand. Okay. And I lost a lot of money. But rewind this video to to, to rewind this video to the beginning to know my. We already talked about this to know my opinion, but I think. <clears throat> If you believe in the long-term vision on Bitcoin, if you believe in what it will be as a technology, as a as a network, a network of money, then it doesn't matter what's on this stupid chart. The chart is just what the next door neighbor is willing to buy from you every single day. If you bought a gold bar because you were afraid of inflation 50 years ago, and I knocked on your door, I said, Hey, can I buy that gold bar for you for like 10,000 or what? I don't know what, what it was back then, but can I buy that gold bar for you from, from you for a thousand bucks? And you'd be like, no, I just bought it, dude. I'm going to, I know it's in my safe. I'll be like, okay, fine. 
the next day. Hey, can I buy that uh, gold? Can I buy that gold bar from you for like two thousand bucks? Like everyone's buying gold out here. You'd be like, no, I bought it like yesterday. It's fine. Go away. And I knock on your door again. You know, I'm gonna say, hey man, give me that gold bar. I'll pay you ten grand for that gold bar. And you're like, no. And then I come to you the next day and I say, everyone's selling. It's a panic. Everyone's selling off their that gold bar. I'll buy it from you today. You know, hey man, you must be kind of worried, but I'll buy that off of you for like five hundred bucks. And you sell to me at five hundred, but you didn't sell to me for a thousand or five thousand or ten thousand. That tells me you had zero conviction. That tells me that you have zero fundamental belief in what you just bought, right? You just bought it because the herd mentality, which nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with that. But you bought it because you didn't have conviction. You didn't have conviction when you bought it. So I'm telling you, as someone who I, I consider myself a very good investor, someone who thinks very logically about things, even though I will be right, I'll be wrong. I think I have a good batting average. I believe it's a hold. You just hold it. Look at that. Like I told you, I saw huge pain. I lost lots of money, six figures. I know some of you probably down five figures, four figures, six figures, hopefully not seven figures. I bought up here at 16,000, bro. Like you think I, you think I felt good when it was 3,400? Spoiler alert, I did not feel good when it was 3400 So even if you bought at the top, why did you buy it? I'm going to tell you why I would buy it at $50,000, which I, I bought some, right? I'm, I'm always in the market for Bitcoin. And I'm let's go to Ethereum too because I think that's what everybody wants from the video. Um, welcome. Thank you so much. Definitely like the video if you're new here. Definitely subscribe. Um, you bought it because you believe there is a at least 20 30-40% chance that Bitcoin becomes virtual reserve currency. A third-party, non-government controlled reserve asset. Virtual gold, if you will, or something like that, right? Right? That's why you bought it. So maybe you were like, ah, eh, I mean, whatever, I bought it at 50000 because because if it does, it's going to go to 500000 if it doesn't, so if it, if, it, if it goes to the value of gold, Bitcoin becomes 500000 If it doesn't and it becomes nothing, it goes to zero. But in reality, it's probably not going to zero, right? It's going to like 80% down during a crypto bear cycle. So what is the upside? You bought it for a 10x upside and a 1x downside. So you're And, and you say, oh, okay, maybe it's like a 50-50 chance. So you bought it for whatever five uh, four or five times expected return but now it's down so it's down to what 37,000 35,000 today right now 35,000 and so your upside's higher now and your downside is still 1x and you've already lost a bunch of money at a certain point why are you selling unless you have a ton of gains that you want to you're like I have no conviction in bitcoin I don't think it's virtual gold I don't think I don't think anything that's bs I just bought it because I, I didn't have any conviction and I FOMO'd and that was a mistake. If that's you and you have possibly big gains on, I don't know, Tesla options or something this in 2021 and you want to and, and you're like, I'm out. I hate Bitcoin. Never going to be here again. That's you. That's you. That's not going to be us. That's not going to be me. 
I'm, I'm in it. I told you I locked it up in a corner for, for 10 years. Uh, then maybe, yeah, you sell and you like you use those capital losses to offset those capital gains. But if you don't have those capital gains offset, just hold it, right? The most you could lose is another like 40%. You've already lost 40. Like for those, I'm speaking to the people that bought it at the absolute top. If you bought it like 70 or 60, 60,000 and it's at 35, like let's say you bought 60,000 worth one Bitcoin. You've already lost 25,000. Right? Or let's say you buy, yeah, 65000 So you've already lost $30,000. The worst you can lose is another thirty. dollars I mean, another twenty. right? You've already lost thirty. you You're going to maximum, in a, if this is the start of a, 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 of a winter, the max you can lose is another twenty, Right? So why, but, but the upside scenario is half a million. You, you, you make like 450000 and your downside from here, just holding it, is twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars more. Or worse is zero. Let's say it goes to zero. Like uh, the only way that that happens is a fifty-one percent attack or whatever. But I, I, I think like that's such a, I mean, knock on wood, I guess. But like that's such a tail risk, right? Um, you already lost thirty thousand. Like what's another thirty thousand, right? The upside from here is you, you gain back another four hundred grand, right? Over ten years. So just hold it. Stick it in the, stick it in the, stick it in the backyard. Bury it. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone. Thanks Edgar. Um, and let's move on to Ethereum. A lot of people really moved on to Ethereum. We didn't fully commit to Ethereum on the Roke big board. Because I told you, it's like liquid VC, liquid venture capital. It's much more focused on the network of Ethereum, not just this. If, if I told everyone, Bitcoin is already virtual crypto reserve currency. When Bitcoin sneezes, the rest of crypto, including Coinbase stock, catches a cold. So when you ever buy any crypto other than Bitcoin, you're buying it because you think crypto is going to be a thing and that's the only reason why you buy anything but the king. If you think crypto is going to be a thing and that there is going to be internet gold, internet reserve asset, you can buy Bitcoin. In order to believe that Ethereum becomes a thing, you have to believe that crypto, internet reserve, currency asset becomes a thing and and Ethereum builds Internet 3.0 and they become the majority winner of dApps, right? The more skeptical you believe, uh, the more skeptical you are of the future of all the stuff, the more you should go to Bitcoin. And if you just don't believe in crypto in the first place, why the heck did you buy it in the first place? Right. So now that goes with Ethereum, right? When crypto, when crypto catches a cold, like crypto as a whole, the king, the reserve currency catches a cold, everybody's selling for, what are they selling for? Cash, US dollars, or pounds, or Canadian dollars, or Aussie dollars, whatever you guys are in, right? Singaporean dollars, whatever. Um, right? They're, so what do you do? Is you sell your Ethereum 
for Bitcoin and you sell your Bitcoin, you transfer that into an exchange, you sell your Bitcoin for whatever. So these things are like highly levered compared to Bitcoin, right? So look, the way I'll say it is I also was a bag holder on Ethereum from the 2017 bubble. If you've are like, let's look, let's look at it together. And we're gonna we're gonna kind of probably end on this. Um, I'm gonna wake up to twenty bug bites. Um, if you bought at the absolute top at almost four thousand dollars, you've lost double or half of your money. So the same thing kind of goes. It says you've already lost half your money. The worst that can happen is that you lose the other half. The best that can happen is that over a 10-year time frame, your original reason why you bought that project, whether it's Ethereum, Cardano, whatever, Do not Dogecoin, but Ethereum, Cardano, Algo, or whatever, Algorand, whatever, right? You bought that pro uh, you bought that protocol because you thought there was a outsized asymmetrical upside compared to the 1x downside every investment has a 1x downside right every, if a hundred dollars goes to zero that's 1x right every dollar you you put in the downside is maximum unless you're using leverage which i say not to or using some you know like you're borrowing money which i say not to unless you're doing that your downside is you only lose the amount of money the maximum that you put in right but the upside you bought in because you thought Algorand or Ethereum is going to take over the world. You're buying into the HPP or the TCP IP of the future. If that happens, you think that like Ethereum as a, like how much do you think the internet is worth? It's definitely like freaking gosh darn trillion, hundreds of trillions of dollars, right? That's what the internet's worth. So when you're buying Ethereum and you're like, oh man, this is gonna be like a one third market share of the future internet. And that's gonna be worth a hundred trillion dollars. And it's at 260 or you bought it at 400 million, 400 billion dollar market cap. You probably bought it being like, even if it goes to $2 trillion someday, that's a five X upside, right? Or something like that, right? Five X upside, one X downside. So from here on, just think about it. It's the same thought, but you only, but the only difference is it's more volatile because, because buying Ethereum, Binance Coin, and down, you have to believe in more than just is crypto going to be a thing? Is there going to be an internet reserve asset? You have to believe does Bitcoin become the internet reserve asset or is there going to be an internet reserve asset? And is Ethereum going to be internet 3.0 smart, smart contract winner? That's what you have to believe. So if you believe it and you bought that farm or that gold bar or whatever you bought, just remember, you bought it. You bought that, like you went to the store, you bought a bushel of apples, right? And you bought it for a reason. Go remember that reason. Now, we're all, um, we are all susceptible to herd mentality, especially online. I I'm into it, right? Like in our Discord, people like, oh, blah, 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 right? And like I've had to, I've had to really implement, like when I get too like really fussed up, I just have to go off, go for a walk. Because at the end of the day, you bought something with your own money for a certain reason, right? You, you, you bought it for a reason. Remember that reason. If your reason is, is really shitty, 
then yeah, maybe you sell it because your reason was bad in the first place. If your reason was logical and was a good bet, you better see that bet to the finish line. That's how I feel. Now, that's a philosophy thing. Some people are like, oh, stop losses. Like, like, but but that's, that, mean, that assumes that you have a really good batting average, which I don't know how many swings you're taking, right? Um, so, I don't know. Guys, I'm not a crypto guru. I'm not a guru. I'm just a hedge fund analyst that used to work at Citadel and top levels of Wall Street and was one of the only Wall Street guys that bought Bitcoin back in the day because all those guys are snooty and I like tech. I'm interested in tech. I'm not like a software engineer, but, um, and so that's just who I am, right? So I'm not a guru. I'm not a YouTuber. Look at this. Look at this. Like I'm, I'm in the dark. Why do you even watch me? Like there's nothing to watch. My lighting's horrible. Um, uh, anyway, cool. So we're going to leave it on that. My voice is already hoarse. I've already felt about three mosquito bites. I don't know how I'm going to live. You guys are going to have to forgive me for all the mosquito bites that I'm going to be having when I broadcast to you from Miami, Florida. Please stay tuned. Again, BlockFi is a sponsor still. I'm not going to be, I'm going to be putting everything on ice until they can give us an explanation of how they can earn our trust back and why they pushed code from demo to prod or whatever, or like, you know, pre-production to prod. Like, I don't know. They have to win our trust back. I'm going to be going to the Bitcoin conference in Miami and shooting two of our video people are going to be starting on in that week. So we're going to make some really awesome videos. We're going to do something where you all can come join us at the Bitcoin conference because I, I bought a 360 camera for us. And so uh, I'll be posting like a 20 minute maybe walkthrough of the Bitcoin conference so that everyone can go even if you can't come physically. And um, and then I have, a, I have a sit down meeting already scheduled with BlockFi and I'm going to grill them. I'm going to be like, hey, man, like, how the hell does this happen? Where are the risks? Like, how do we even how do we even like trust you? So that's that's that. If you want to know more, if you want to support the content, uh, we're trying to build the hedge fund for the people. Lots of expenses, all, all this tech that I, you know, like I can't even do the th stuff that I want to do on the membership. Um, definitely sign up for Morning Sense, which is going private for like three or four bucks per month. It's our daily email newsletter and, or definitely support us at a couple cents.com which uh, you can see all of our favorite holdings, latest trades. Uh, there's a ton of tools. You get access to our Discord, all for uh, $11.99 a month. So, you know, I, I try to make things as much of a value. I, I basically, sh I, I do what I do when I was, uh, when I was operating Metalogix, helping operate Metalogix is I like to offer a 10X ROI. So whatever price is, it's like I, I feel the need to offer members 10 times their money. Um, so we comped it against a lot of stuff. So, um, so that's my, my, I, I can't, you know, you, it's, you know, your, your, your decision, whether I do a good job at that. But, uh, now that we're building a team, Danica's awesome. She's been helping me lifesaver. Um, you know, uh, Ken is awesome. He does awesome analysis. We post uh, deep dive research on stocks every single week. Ken really helps with that. And we go over them together and do models together. And, you know, as we build this community out, it's gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna outperform together. I have, I have high hopes for this community. And yes, we will be in crypto. We are not selling our crypto, spoiler alert. Um, but I'm not particularly adding to it. That's where I sit today. Tomorrow morning, I may wake up in a different spot. And we have a ROIC only, private ROIC only stream tomorrow. So thanks so much. Thank you so much. I love you all. 
it's super dark. The boogeyman's coming. Uh, the stock man is here and going to run away inside. So thank you so much. Have a great night. Don't freak out. When in, when in doubt, what did I say? Take your finger off this trigger. When in doubt, take your fingers off the trigger. Go for a walk. Hoddle. And if you're not fully allocated, now's a good time. Be greedy when others are fearful. Be fearful when others are greedy. If you believe and you have a great fundamental reason for buying the thing you did in the first place. If you walked into Costco or Walmart and bought an inflatable kayak and you're landlocked nowhere near water, you didn't have a good reason to buy that thing. So that when the next person that comes around says, hey man, I'll buy that off of you. And then let's say you had no returns, right? The next person that comes and says, hey, I'll buy that off of you. You're going to sell it. Ace out. Paper hands. Because you had no good reason. If you bought that inflatable tube or kayak because you really loved it and you were going to get all this value out of that purchase, then you're not going to sell it because you bought it for a reason. Remember that reason. If your reason, if you, if you think back at the reason why you bought it in the first place is a good reason, chances are you'll be convinced to either buy more or sit on it. If you think back at the reason and you're like, oh man, I just got caught up in the FOMO then either find a good reason, which I told you in this video, so go rewind this video, or if that doesn't speak to you, then sell it. Because you didn't have a good, you didn't have a good, uh, good reason in the first place. But personally, I just think it's a really good asymmetrical risk reward, even from here. We already lost, we already lost money. Trust me, my net worth has fluctuated quite a bit today. And I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm asleep tight, because I've been around, I've been through this two times. So if I'm not worried, I mean, I don't know, right? Everyone's different, but um, thanks so much. Appreciate you all. Thank you. I can't stop talking. Love you all. Have a great night. Sleep tight. Don't worry about it. Not losing your job that you go into work tomorrow or studying hard if you're a college student is more important than that 10 grand you lost. Just remember that. All right. Bye. Love you. Bye.